Gates of Midgard, it's four guys in a comic. Now welcome Earth's mightiest heroes, Red, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Welcome everyone, this is Four Guys in a Comic, and this is Red, and I'm here with... Who am I here with? Do you know who I'm here with? I think I'm here with Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Hey guys, how's it going? It's hey! Going. Everything's good. In the neighborhood, right? Yeah. Outside of the neighborhood, I'm not sure. Over the fence. Okay, well, our neighborhood's pretty good. Um, uh, the, the whole the whole Canadian neighborhood is pretty good. Uh, I don't have y'all frozen down, down. Sure normal yet. Yeah, I know yeah. things are getting a little uh, a little heated down south, but anyway, um, we're here doing what? What is it we do again? We talk um, about sunglass companies. Yeah, no. I thought it was about so- tires. Tires. That was that was two weeks ago. No, I think this week we're talking about Kitty Litter, right? <laughs> That's it. That's right. That's right. The new what is most absorbent? Yes. <laughs> yes. Are you adding Ammon Harmer to your uh, Kitty Litter? They oh, actually. They, I've heard recently that they actually are now edible after they've been used. Something about the. No, I'm kidding. Oh, anyway, we're here, to, <laughs> we're here to talk about comic books. Oh yes. Uh, there are things with doodles and stuff on paper, which you can also eat after you're done with it. So, <laughs> Comic books, nothing but ink on paper and how much money people are willing to pay for that ink on paper. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. Or, you know, you could just change it. It's not going to be a scratch and sniff comic book anymore. It'd be just a peel and eat comic book. Edible. Is this some like edible undies, you know? You just... <laughs> like a panel, oh. you just peel it off. It's like, oh man, look at this piece of pizza. It looks so good, and then you could peel the piece of pizza off the, the oh page. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. You have, yes, Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles, so Donatello brilliant. holding a pizza, and you can just peel it right off. Yeah, yeah. And as then there's like the... a car, there, there's like the Batmobile, and you can peel it off, and you've got like a new car. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. It's, I watch it just be like a that. Hot Wheel or a Micro Machine, and you're just like, oh, okay. Oh. This yeah. sounds like so these what, what, guys what, what, have been doing Super Trooper stuff. I don't know. So I want to, <laughs> I want to know what do you peel off of a, an issue of Sex Criminals? Ooh, I don't even want to know. I'm not going there. Touching that one with a ten foot pole. Maybe I don't know a cosmic banana hammock. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, if you need a magnum for tonight, you know that's where you go. <laughs> hold on, baby. Hold on. I got this issue I need to open up. <laughs> oh man. So what have you guys been reading this week? Lots of Rebirth. Jeez, Tap, way to get repetitive. I've been reading lots of Rebirth. That's insane. That's all we've <laughs> Wait been for reading. both of y'all to be repetitive. No, I've been no, reading no, Marvel. I, I, oh, I will say, I have, I have, uh, I did read some, uh, ooh, Witches by Zack Snyder. I did read that this week. Scott Snyder. Or, yeah, Definitely. sorry, Zack's the director of the movie. <laughs> I was like, sorry. wait a minute. It was one of the Snyders. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I read Witches uh, this week from Image Comics. And it's only six inches, six issues, a little bit. Of six a inches. Issue. <laughs> <laughs> See, look, you got sex criminal oh, stuck on boy. the head. Um, okay. No, I do recommend that one though. That was a fun read. Yeah, yeah, that's what um, I've been reading. Yeah, yeah I was like, I've actually been reading uh, Scalped, which is pretty, pretty gosh darn cool. Um, gosh it's darn cool. It's if you like uh, Southern Bastards, you will like Scalped. It is Jason Aaron just doing what he does best, without snicting. All over the place and cutting people. Um, it's really cool. I like it. Um, it's got uh, it's got some more American stuff I don't really get because it's all about like the 
American Indians and their casinos and how they get treated like garbage in America and all this stuff that just goes over my head because I'm Canadian. <laughs> Semi-ignorant, I guess, which is my fault. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a pretty good read if you haven't read it yet. Aside from that, Rebirth. Have you guys heard of Rebirth? Yeah, it's thing. I think that's a thing they keep pounding each week. Yeah, you know. I don't know, but man, but it just keeps coming out, and I just keep hearing about it, and I'm just like, I, whatever. I, you, you, I'm in the same boat with you, so I just keep ignoring. It's like it's rebirth. There's an image to read. Mm. <laughs> but I hear there's something special that happens in some issue number five or something like that. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff happening, and if you're ignoring it, well, kudos to you. You've pretty strong willpower. Just gonna put that out there. Yeah. My problem is I got you, just too much on my list. I guess so. I guess so. so now, uh, speaking of which, what is on that list? Well, let's see. One of the fan favorites that I read this week was I Hate Fairyland. Oh, that was by good. Scotty Young. Oh, my gosh. It was, was Gertrude fighting. Oh, my gosh. What's her name? What was her name again? It was something just so hilarious. Uh God, I can't remember now. Man, I've never heard of that character before. Yeah. Oh, blah, blah, blah. The, the pretty, pretty princess. And yes. <laughs> Richard gets her butt kicked. Oh my gosh, it was it was hilarious. It's like but picture it's, like Fight Club and I Hate Fairyland. That's kind of what this was. <laughs> yeah, basically. And you know, Gertrude's kicking everybody's butt, but here she comes against a pretty princess and she gets her butt whooped. Yeah, it's funny too cuz like she comes out and she does look like like a tiny little pretty pretty princess and then all of a sudden uh you know, she hulks out. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know how else to put it. She let's see. Out. So, on top of that, let's see, I have uh, The Wicked Divine, issue 22. We got Poe Dameron, issue number 5. Spawn Kills Everyone, issue number 6. And I got all three variant covers here, Rusty. Have you gotten yours yet? I got mine today. Okay, cool. Let's see. Aloha Hawaiian Dick, number 4. Lazarus, number 23. Killer Be Killed, number 1. Uh, let's see, what was this? Symmetry number six, Darth Vader 24. Darth Vader. Yes, Darth Vader. Oh, The Walking <laughs> Dead 157, Nailbiter 24, Paper Girls number eight. Oh, Paper Girls. Have you guys Speak. read Paper Girls 8? No. <gasps> Has it picked up? Did it have that... Did it have that turning point that every Brian K. Vaughn comic has where it's just... That's going to be issue nine, I believe it's going to okay. be. Okay. Yeah, but it, it, no, it's just set up. Just on a quick divert here, speaking of Walking Dead, you connect the lines between Kirkman, Kirkman to Invincible. Can we just touch on that real quick? Uh, yeah, yeah. Red, Red is crying, so I guess it's just a <laughs> this, oh. this week, Red's Rest in heart peace. was broken yeah. in the several pieces. Yeah. It was it's lies. Tell you, it's lies. It's propaganda to make you buy more issues. You're going to see it. Uh, well, for those that don't know, or you've been living under a rock, um, Kirkman came out and announced that there's only what 12, 12 more issues. Is that right? Twelve. I think that they said it's going to end sometime next year. Yeah, number one forty. Yeah, number one forty four, and I think they're at number one thirty. One or something like that. So anyway, there's about twelve or thirteen issues left of the series, and then they are going to be ending it. Kirkman originally said that he didn't yeah. that he wanted it to live on, like Spider-Man and Superman and those types of characters, 
But at the same time, he's the only one that's ever written Invincible, and he just felt he had a change of heart, you know? And he said, you know what? I think it should live and die with me. And I yeah. respect that. I mean, it sucks that Invincible's going away, but yeah. I respect his decision to uh, to end that character. Yeah. So I don't probably, know. He's an effing idiot, and I'm about ready to send him <laughs> hate mail. Oh, and, my God. Uh, oh, dude, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go on a Kirkman ban, and that includes The Walking Dead, wow. Outcast, anything else involved. You guys Kirkman, boycott Kirkman. To this, I am so freaking pissed off with you, and I'm not, I can't even begin to emphasize <laughs> how pissed I am. Hashtag all right? And, and this is invincible. Kirkman. I mean, this, this is what this, – Kirkman, this is what – this is your the thing that made you, okay – this came out before Walking Dead. This came out before Outcast. This is what put the bread and butter on your table. Kirkman, what I the F are you thinking about? about that. Holy and that's, bread and butter on his table is a thing called and the Walking Dead. And that's the thing, yeah. That's the reason. We all know that's the reason it's getting can- It's finishing because it's not – he doesn't have time for it anymore, really. It's not no, like bearing fruit. television shows to produce. Oh, my yeah. gosh. You know, Kirkman's got too freaking big for his big old fat pants. Take the skunk oh off your shoulder, God. old man, and do some work. Oh Jeez, <laughs> he put him on blast. There's no wow. way that interview's ever happening. Yeah. You guys remember when we did Walking Dead 100 and there was like that letter you read out read <laughs> where yeah. that guy was super pissed about Glenn? Um, yeah. That's 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 going to be the next one we read on this show is Red's letter. I know, right? <laughs> Farewell letter from uh, four guys in a comic, aka Red Skull, really being mad. But you know, Kirkman, if this is a Kirkman, if this is a joke, I love you, man. I was gonna say, you know what? He may be ending it now, but it's probably not the end of Invincible. Who's to say when all the Walking Dead hype goes away? Finally, brings it back. Why not? Unless he kills everyone in the universe, went into a hiatus and came back. I mean, unless he literally kills everyone. Then it's uh, sort of like, how are you going to bring that back? But you never know. Yeah, the uh, the clones go into another dimension again, and then we pull out. I uh... could see him <laughs> killing off Mark. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's going to end happily ever after. I think there's going to no. be a lot of a lot more death. It's going to be like Game of Thrones, yeah. Red Wedding style, over the next year. You know, yeah, he's, yeah. to me, what it's going to be, it's going to be a reflection of about four months ago where that entity comes back and puts him back in the past and he redoes everything all over again. That's probably how it's going to end. I could see that, I guess. I hope not. I hope there's more creative thought behind it. Actually, I think, to me, the best way to end it is it turns out that Invincible is nothing more than a comic series that Science Dog reads. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that would be that'd be nice i was gonna say you know you brought up how it could be a science dog thing but wouldn't it be cool if all of a sudden it's just like the book shuts or whatever and then it's just like uh carl reading in a library yeah or that's what i was gonna say it's hey, carl. Yeah. or it could just be kirkman shutting the book and then he gives you the finger and it ends <laughs> it. <laughs> that's basically what he's doing to us already no tv show bam so I wonder if this will either drive the price of the issues up or down. Who knows? Might go up. Well, if it goes down, then I'll start grabbing all the issues. <laughs> yeah, I'm still missing six variants. Only oh, six. Only six. That's 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 too much. I know. How do you live, Red Skull? Trust me, Maybe. I hardly sleep at night. Anyway, guys. Now, now, just... now, the only way I can sleep is thinking of ways to hurt Kirkman for ending this. 
Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Watch out, Kirkman. Hydra's coming for you. Oh, no. <laughs> well, speaking of Hydra in the world of Marvel, Rusty. Mm. Rusty, recommend us something. Yeah, me and Nova and Red here have That's been a... dying for this week's recommendation, and you teased us with a little something-something saying it was some old school. So, yeah. uh... Yeah. What, okay. What do you got, buddy? Okay, so uh, first I'll do this old school thing, but I did read something before we started recording tonight, which is something else I've brought up before, but this might be the absolute winning thing for it. But before I get to that, we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about the old school stuff, okay? I love it. So, Go. Okay, so I was in Barnes & Noble uh, because I was working at a different store, and um, I was in Barnes & Noble, and I picked up a Jim Starlin book from the 90s called Infinity Watch. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever read Infinity Watch. I have not read it. I'm familiar with it, but I have not read it. Okay, I wasn't super familiar with it either. I've read the first issue a few times, just because it was in a few just different stories, Infinity Crusade and all such. It was tie-in stuff. Is that like a like a gauntlet add-on? Like you put the watch on it, and then you sort of got... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, but this is this is no. the story after a gauntlet, okay? So this explains where... And we've all read Gauntlet now because we did a podcast on it before, okay? Yes. And this is afterwards when Adam Warlock is, has the gauntlet for himself because he's the keeper of it. But he comes to realize that he is not the person he thought he could be to be responsible for the Infinity Gauntlet. So, the idea of the Infinity Watch is he disperses each gem from the gauntlet to a person he thinks can handle the power and protect it. So it's like a okay. cosmic neighborhood watch. Kinda, except it's just basically... <laughs> exactly what it is. It's a group of people that all have the Infinity Stones, and, I mean, you can kind of guess who is in the group. I mean, uh, let, let me... No. Well, he had does Nicolas Cage go on a quest to collect them all after? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 okay. So, the, see, Vision? Vision is not one. Really? Okay. Nope, nope, no, no. Okay, one of the... Okay, so I'll throw it out there, okay. So, Pip the Troll is one, okay. Pip, Pip the Troll. Pip? His, Pip his has boy. one. He has the, uh, the space gym. And he can just teleport wherever he wants now, basically. I don't know cosmic for nothing. I don't know. The... Okay, go ahead. So what is the dude? He pops in a bars, grabs a beer, pops out without paying for it. What? Okay. Some of the things he did in the second issue were um, he popped into Avengers headquarters with some drinks, stole a Quinjet, and then flew off with it before anyone noticed. Why bother? And then he like. It got captured and he crashed it. And then he also stole a, um, I think it was a Blackbird from the X Men. This sounds like and he crashed that. And he was drinking while doing this. You said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we all, uh, you know, but Pip does. Pip's just a drunk true. troll. That's true. He was a human that got turned into a troll. I'm on questioning another Adam Warlock's judgment. Okay, I'm literally questioning so Adam. He had that. <laughs> <laughs> but he can handle it. Hey, Nova. Pip, he can handle the it. space gem. Okay. It, get, go anywhere. it kind of gets a little worse, but it, you got to roll with it with me, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Power gem goes to Drax. Of course. Okay. 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 Yeah. He's the, by, in this time period, though, it's when he was the second time he was resurrected, so he's like dumb he's as a rock Drax. Yeah. He's not intelligent. Yeah. And uh, so he eats Batista it. Drax. He's Batista Drax. Yes. He's, 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 yeah. He eats it? 
He eats it. Okay. And yeah. it, it, so it gets in his belly, and that's how he protects it because it's inside him. He doesn't. And he never pass poops it. it out. Yeah, he doesn't pass it. <laughs> no, apparently they do some kind of explanation with Warlock where they they explain it. They say that like the way that his alien or not his alien, but his digestive tract works from the Celestials that the stone will be protected because it's too powerful. He's like the and... he's like the blue chick from the Fifth Element with all the hidden stones in her belly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, and so we have him. Uh, Gamora gets one. Okay, oh, wait, obviously. But what does she, she get? The mind gem. Or no, not the mind gem. Uh, the, Where um... does she put it? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, she gets the... Uh, what is it? I think it's the time gem is what she gets. And she says she has the time gem just because she... Uh, uh, she wouldn't know how to use it, but because she's the deadliest person in the galaxy, she would be perfect to protect it. Yeah. Um, the reality gem goes to a mystery person. I don't know who it is yet. Okay. Um, the what is it? The mind gem goes to Moon Dragon, which is cool because she does telekinetics and stuff, and it enhances her telekinetics like trifold. And then um, who else gets one? How many gems have I named? Okay, so we got Pip. Okay, Adam still has the soul. Reality's a that's, mystery. That's yeah, so that's all of them. Yeah. yeah. So, but the whole gimmick of the comic is that they're all separated right now, and they're all protecting the gems in their own way or whatever. But they're gonna come back together later on. But um, it's just the story of the gauntlet not being made he throws the glove on the ground in the middle of it i don't even know where thanos goes and finds the damn glove again but um yeah it's about them watching it before infinity war happens so yeah when magus comes back so when it was where's where's thanos and all this is he still on the farm is he just like looking up and like oh here is my chance yeah he's just at the farm chilling this has nothing to do with thanos okay yeah all right i'm not gonna uh, lie I, I'm interested now. I'm dead serious when I say this. I'm not trying to poke fun. I'm seriously interested. You, you got me. I want to read this. So my question is, how many books is it and where can I find this? That is the thing, man. Infinity Watch uh, went up into a really high number. Uh, I've only read one through five so far. And I think there's like over 50. Wow. Really? Really? I thought it was yeah. like a six issue. Like, yeah. Jenny yeah. Crusade is six issues, but Infinity Watch goes on for a while. Let me see yeah, here. Pull, I'll just I'm look it up. I'm pulling it up right now, too. Just to... Yeah, I want to look, too, myself, because I, you have me interested. I think I might want to read this as yeah, well. It goes to one through 42. 42. Oh God, people just sitting and with these stones in their hand? With well, well, no, drags. some of them have swallowed it. <laughs> yeah, okay, I cannot this poop. is funny, dude. Okay, because Gamora has hers placed on her forehead. Moon Dragon has hers placed on her forehead, just like Adam Warlock, right? Pip said, I do not want it on my forehead because it looks silly. And they're like, well, where did you put <laughs> it? And he's like, don't awesome. worry about it. And that's all you know. <laughs> and you just got it. He he put it in the tramp stamp spot. He has it. He wears it as a loincloth. That's only clothes he wears. So, jeez, oh, don't even want to know where he put it. Now we know what he's into. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a pretty cool story. In the fourth issue, Adam Warlock actually goes to try and find the High Evolutionary, mm-hmm. and he finds him, but he is like, I would say, brain dead almost or crazy. Um, he saw the birth of a celestial uh, entity. 
like a like a god. And so he it blew his mind basically, and now he only comes up with crazy ideas. And oh yeah, uh, in the fourth issue, uh, the last one I read, uh, Adam Warlock was there assessing because there's a group of people that are going around kidnapping people and they're trying to kidnap the high evolutionary. We don't know why yet. And, um, but he's dumb as a rock. And, uh, Adam Warlock's will send all your people out there and let me assess the situation. All the people get annihilated and Adam Warlock's just like peace and he disappears. And that's what I left at. So I guess we'll see if Adam is going to fight them and we're going to, they haven't talked about what the other guys are doing yet. It's obviously with 42 issues, they had a lot of story to run with. And I know it did change from Starlin to another writer at some point, but I think it was Angel Medina through the whole uh, art process. That's pretty sweet. So my question is, are you reading this off of Comicology or did you pick these issues up at your uh, local shop? Um, I have a few issues of it. But uh, for the most part, um, on breaks at work, I've been going to Barnes and Noble and reading the uh, trade paperback in there. He's the one that now. Did you know? <laughs> now, did you know? Like for instance, Fantastic Four issue number three hundred and seventy, it has a crossover for it, and there's no, a whole bunch. Of, but and there's a whole bunch of crossovers. So it had its involvement in a, with a lot of things. It had its hands in a lot yeah. of things. Nineties. But, yeah, surprise, surprise, 42-issue Infinity series that, like I said, is usually under the radar. Well, I found here you can get – there's two volumes of Infinity Watch, and if you go to uh, my new favorite website that Nova informed me of, um, instocktrades.com – hey, maybe you can sponsor us. Please. Um, you can get volume one and two for $22 each. Now, normally they're like almost $50 each because they're like 400 and something pages. These are not little trade paperbacks. These are huge. They're like 25. It's almost like an omnibus, really. There's like 25 issues, 26 issues, um, almost in each one. So, Or you can go to eBay and there's an auction ending exactly 12 minutes and 20 seconds uh, for issue number one for a dollar four. Yep. They're cheap go. series. Cheap and, set. And then you're going to have to buy the other 41 and that dollar four is now gone because you're listening to this a week after it ended <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm not gonna lie Rust. you did a good job on selling me on that one i'm yeah, okay it yeah. intrigues me more more so because of pip and drax but it yeah intrigues me. you know what you make me realize rusty is that marvel needs to start putting out preferably an omnibus format just jim starlin's cosmic stuff in chronological order Yes. Because so all of this shit just crosses over. Warlock Chronicles goes into Infinity Watch goes, and it's just all over the place at times. Um, which I mean, you know, it is how it is. But it would be nice if they just did it all in chronological reading order. Um, I think it'd be a good idea because I know people love Cosmic Marvel. Yeah, no, I would be for sure one of the people in line to buy it. I'll tell you that right now. They're they're doing they're doing it with the newer stuff. So there was like Annihilation. Annihilation Conquest, Guardians of the Galaxy, all the Dan Abnett stuff, and now it's leading into Realm uh, War of Kings, which is going to have three omnibus books, like three thousand plus pages. It's going to be wild, but uh, I think they should definitely do that for the Jim Starlin stuff because uh, he he wrote quite a saga. Well, it's crazy. I mean, he started writing back in like with Marvel back in like seventy one, seventy two. 
Yeah. And he's still writing to this day for yeah. popular publishers, and including Marvel. Infinity Entity and, and Thanos the Finale didn't even come out that long ago. So it's yeah. crazy how someone like him could just last through the ages and remain relevant. Yeah, yeah bring it to more cream. You just said Infinity uh, Entity or whatever. This one they've got, I just looked, there's the Infinity Companion hardcover. It's 700 pages. But I thought it covered the old school stuff, but it's just the newer stuff that you were just naming mm-hmm. off. Uh, but 700 pages. It's normally a $100 hardcover book, but you can buy it right now on InStockTrades.com for Jesus, they're not even paying us. They're not even paying us <laughs> no, yet. No, I'm showing them what they can get. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sneak preview of what could be yours. <laughs> and there is free shipping in the U.S. continent. Is it? No. It's I don't not know what free, that... but it's cheap shipping. It's, isn't it? It's free over a certain, I think, like 50 bucks, maybe. Correct. I just got the Goon Volume 1 library hardcover, and I had to pay shipping because it was like, I got it for $22 or something like that. Which is still really good, considering that's like a 50-something dollar book, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah. No complaints. Now, I did mention that there was one more book that I read right before the podcast yes. now. Okay. Is it so... a number five? I wish that thing hasn't come out uh, yet, man. I'm every still week waiting. We're gonna ask you what's new with Hyperion. You know what it's though? Fine. Next week, next week there's a new Venom, I think. So yeah. we're gonna be hearing uh, about that. It's gonna be the Civil War Venom too, I believe. Oh, never mind. I don't care. Is Venom, no. still, <laughs> is Venom still walking around without a uh, without a yeah. meat suit? Basically, is he still just a, a symbiote? wandering no uh but they reconnected um but he still walks around on his own sometimes like occasionally i guess he just like lets him off the leash he's like go on a walk so is, kind it, of is it him and flash still yes it's him and flash still um he is getting a new uh i guess host here in the next few months though they said and this new venom series that's coming out it's not supposed to be flash thompson anymore huh yeah right. and uh, he's gonna be earthbound again all right, well, I guess we'll see how that goes. But anyway, go on. Sorry to interrupt. What okay. Do you okay, so I have... It's the final issue in the arc that's been happening with Ultron and the Uncanny Avengers. And we've oh, talked right. Uncanny Avengers Changing before. Changing it up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when do I read Avengers? That's the, this is the only Avengers yeah, title I read. probably got cable in there, doesn't it? <laughs> it does have cable in it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought. That's it. what yeah. I thought. <laughs> It has a uh, cable in it. It has Deadpool in it. Um, it has uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers in it. It has uh, Brother Voodoo. It has Rogue. Um, it has Wasp. Vision occasionally pops up. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just overall pretty good. But recently in this arc, Hank Pym showed back up as half Hank Pym, half Ultron, which I think I've talked to you all about with it, the first issue of the arc before. And um, in this issue, they realize that it's not Hank Pym. It's just Ultron being super creepy and wearing Hank's skin as a yeah, Hank as a suit, <laughs> which is like really you've learned That's, that, uh... and it's just like oh, oh, what? because Vision comes up to him and he's just like, you're not you're not Hank. You're just wearing it like a sad suit in his memory. You always were jealous. You always wanted to be an Avenger. And Ultron comes out and says that him and Hank were fly in the Hank suit. We're flying around space, going to planets, and basically destroying them and murdering whole planets, um, saying that he was an Avenger from Earth, and this is a message to get their shit together. And, and this is after the Rage of Ultron thing, right? Yeah. 
Okay. So, so that's what he was doing this whole time. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, he's Leatherface, basically. Uh, <laughs> minus the chainsaw. He's um, as a lampshade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in this issue, they hyped up that Hulkbuster was going to come in and fight Ultron, which had a, quite a few people hyped for it. But what we found out is that this wasn't an ordinary Hulkbuster suit. It was a Hulkbuster suit designed in part by Bruce Banner. And so Prior it was shot in the head. Yes, it was a fail-safe suit suit for the Hulk, just in case. I guess other things didn't work out, which I'm assuming the shot, the arrow, or whatever didn't work out. And it's called Project Icarus, um, and it was just designed to open up, and it was an empty shell big enough to grab Hulk and pull him into the Hulkbuster to try and detain him for a short period of time. So they could try and figure out how to do things. So it would be like a prison. Like he'd be put in it and then it would lock up and it would fall to the ground and be inactive. And I think Hulk could break out of that pretty easily, though. I'm not going to lie. That doesn't sound like a very safe bet. (laughs) Well, going into this issue, oh, it happens to Ultron. They bring it in there and they get him in there. And let's just say that he gets he gets locked in the suit very temporarily. So if it can't hold Ultron, I'm assuming it's not going to hold Hulk. That sounds like a drunken Stark idea. Yeah, yeah, but I will say this: one selling point to this, uh, when he's in the suit, he gets launched into space with hopes to kill Ultron once and for all, and they shoot him at the sun. So Ultron is flying at the sun, and he hits it, and he lays on it, and then I don't know, some weird bubble thing happens, and he winds uh, we up don't on know. a different planet. And they have World War Ultron. I don't know. <laughs> what what it looks like right now is you can't tell if he died or if this is in his mind or not, but it just showed him like turn into like this bubble and he could get absorbed into the middle of the star and it's saying to be continued to next time or a later time. And so I don't know if it's like a hibernating Ultron in the middle of a star now, kind of Superman like or what, but I'm assuming that Ultron's gonna be brought back in a big way after this. Hmm. Yeah. Is is this a Civil War two tie in? This is not. This is a okay. standalone. Is, yeah. Is okay. Ultron gonna come back as a fifteen year old girl who's now the smartest person in the universe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got it. And it's him wearing her as a <laughs> yeah, suit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's kinda gross. And then he's got right like there. the World War Hulk armor on and he has to go battle some gladiators and then he becomes King Ultron and then he gets the brood and then they all come back to Earth because he's all <laughs> Sounds like this a is my thing, man. This yeah. is my the repercussion I'm going to think that's going to happen from it just because he flew around as Hank Pym and saying he was an Avenger and he told all the planets that survived that if you want to deal with me and you want to talk to me and like you want to settle this come to Earth and meet find the Avengers. Oh my god. So, poor poor Hank his name's been dragged through the dirt. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's already been such a jerk in the past. So everyone is going to hank, hate Hank Pym in the universe, and everyone hates the Avengers in the universe right now. And I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of problems for the Ultimates to deal Who with. Who are the they're Avengers? Kinda, uh, they're kids. Which, yeah, it's well, all new, all different ones are. And then there's Uncanny, and then there's, and then there's like, whatever. Go on. <laughs> yeah, there's like three different Avengers groups yeah. right now. And there's but, the Ultimates who are... Yeah. Like Space wow. Avengers with so, Alpha Flight. Is, okay, maybe I'm alone here. Is it just me that does feel like this is a rehashing of World War Hulk, though? I mean, it sounds very similar. 
They get him into a suit. They blast him off to the sun. It makes yeah. a wrong turn. He ends up somewhere else. Like it's possible. It they, sounds, they're doing that. No, now. it showed him hitting the sun. Like it showed him like burning up. But then all of a sudden he's in a bubble, getting absorbed, in, and it doesn't really make sense on how that happened. They don't explain it. It just says to be continued. He farted right before he hit <laughs> the bubble encapsulated. Nice little Ultron fart. <laughs> yeah. Now I will say this though. The person that is doing the art for Uncanny Avengers right now is none other than Pepe Larraz. Nice. Oh. Yeah. And, and for those Marvel of you listening pretty. who are not familiar with Pepe Larraz, check out because coming up soon we're going to have a flashback podcast where we talk with Pepe Larraz. Which is really just us talking to each other. Because yep. he didn't actually... He, he sent us... Questions. We had a language barrier. Yes. yes. <laughs> but um, no, the art... Is very sharp, very crisp. I like it. And then we have uh, Dugan doing the story. So, yeah. Dugan? Yep. And um, all we saw for the next issue of this, though, is um, it shows Cable holding Captain America's shield. And you can't tell if it's, like, melting or if it's, like, blood or what. But it says Uncanny Avengers uh, versus uh, Captain America or Steve Rogers. So I'm wondering if this has to do with the, uh, the confronting him about being a Nazi or a Hydra, whatever the hell it is. Well, what's the update status on that, guys? Yeah, I haven't read the third America. issue. Second issue I, kind of avoided it. They I just thought, I that thought they sort of Kobe. turned it around. Kind of. They said that it was Kobik, the girl from the Thunderbolts issues that I've been talking about. The oh, yeah, cute... you haven't talked about Kobik lately. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wait, Thunderbolts. Thunderbolt. I forgot all about that. You don't even you don't even care anymore, I do mean, you? Care about what you would Jim Zub say? This is the thing. They're only <laughs> releasing it once a month now, so I have to wait a month to get the next issue every time. You know, time. if you want an issue more than once a month, you should read Rebirth. No. <laughs> but I will say, Thunderbolts, pretty good. Next issue is going to be a tie-in to Civil War, so I don't know how to feel about it. But um, it shows... On the cover of that one, Winter Soldier with a sniper, and in the middle of the scope or by the scope is Miles Morales swinging by on a uh, building. Sounds so like clickbait another, to me. That sounds like another rehashing of uh, the one where Punisher is, has the scope set on... Uh, yep. yep. Sounds like another rehash. Come on, Marvel! Yeah, No, dude, that's totally what it looks like a homage to. So, uh, But it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, you got... Just so you know, Red, um, Winter Soldier is still the Nick Fury position right now. Uh-huh. So, yeah. What? He's the man on the wall. Mm-hmm. Winter yep. Soldier is Nick Fury. He, since when Nick Fury became the Watcher, the Winter Soldier took his place. Yeah. Winter, okay. Yeah, I thought it, I, yeah. Red knows that I thought it was going to be Punisher in Original Sin taking the place. It was supposed to be, wasn't it? Didn't I, Fury it, talk to him or something? I don't know. It nah. seemed like it the whole time. I yeah, guess that, was, that, that was was leading you to, and then oh no, that's not what it's going to be. Yeah. Well, what's weird is is when the Bucky went on some like weird cosmic adventures after that which i didn't i thought nick fury was on earth and not usually in space doing funky space things flying around in the space car yeah (laughs) either way either way marvel marvel now 2.0 coming soon i guess aren't they more like on 5.0 by now (laughs) yeah you'd think so but that is that is what it's called their next um relaunch as it were Oh, um, Maybe we'll see the return of Devil Sidorak uh, 
juggernaut finally and find uh, out what happened to uh, Thor with the whispering. And if any of you listeners out there have any thoughts on that, be sure to voice your concerns. Let us know. Give us a call at 682-4A-COMIC. Once again, that's 682-4A-COMIC. Let us know your thoughts. What Thor said. What what Nick Fury said to Thor to make him unworthy. Yes, Nova. Speaking of which, do we have voice messages to listen to? Yes, in fact, why don't we segment segment away real quick and we're going to play some of those voice messages for you. So let's take it away. Here we go. And... Hey, this is Toe Cutter in Las Vegas, and if you're ever here, stop by Alternate Reality and Cosmic Comics. Tell them four guys in the comics that you, they'll be waiting. Hey, this is Toe Cutter, and you're listening to four guys in comics. Have a nice time. Oh, my gosh. All right. Thank you, Toe, for all of those messages. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all those were Toe. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He even I love did a it. promo spot for us. Did you guys hear that? He did a promo no. spot. No. Oh, my just did. Well, you just listened to him all. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, he did a promo spot for us there. Thank you, Toe. So if any of you want to get in, get your voice, your concerns, have some fun, just say anything, call 682 for a comic uh, standard rate supply. There's no hidden fees, nothing. And 682 for a comic. Give us a call, leave a message, and it will be posted here. Yeah, maybe you'll end up on the show. Who knows? Ooh. And if you don't remember the number, go to our Twitter, and it's on our main, like our description page. It's all right there. So if you ever forget, just go to our Twitter at the number four guys in a comic, and you'll see it on there. Ask Red if he's read any more uh, Extraordinary X-Men. Last I heard, he was on three. Yeah, I haven't had a chance this week. I'll I'll be honest. It's been a busy week. It is on my list. It's on my list to read. Uh, (laughs) Whenever I see Tap talk about it, I just see him get more and more pissed at Humberto Ramos and his artwork. uh, Yeah, I went back and actually listened to last week's pod, and I'm like, yeah. I'm serious. Well, then you have people in the rooms that are talking about how they were just at cons and they just ran into Humberto Ramos and they had the exact same experience that I had with him. They said that they didn't even get to talk to him. They talked to his handler the entire time and he just like looked up, would nod, and then like would look away again. Like he doesn't interact with people. And that's sad. Too cool. Something. Yeah, well, if you're listening to this, which it probably isn't, you know, come on. Put the pencil down, interact with the, the people that buy your shit, and be polite. Come on. So our last contest we did, I've been waiting for some... Uh, so some here's s- the issue. I got what I want to do. The problem is is that I couldn't find my kid's Batman mask. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then we had our garage sale today, and I have ended up stumbling across it. And it didn't sell, so I still have it. Um, so I will be doing, there's a little, uh, I was, I was messing with it cause I'm not familiar with the app. So I was messing around on it and there's a, there's a Lego Batman like yeah. quote thing. I was like, Oh, that'd be perfect. So I want to do that. I just, I gotta get the Batman mask. I don't know. I might just put on my Red Skull mask, get in a thong, and hold a little sign that says 682 for a comic. 682 for a comic. And I'm going to just be dancing around. <laughs> we'll put the uh, the 90s uh, sandstorm in the background. Gar- what is it? Garud? Gerard? No. Gerard? What is that? Sandstorm. What is the name of the group? Garud? I don't know what you're talking about. Y'all know about. what I'm talking about? Darud? Whatever? Nope. No. no. 
No. Okay, never mind. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I don't know the band. I know what you're talking about, though. Okay. I was thinking more like, uh, what, uh, what's that song called? Bow, bow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. <Beautiful>. Yes. <laughs> I forget what the title of it's called. I, it's just... I just know Ferris Bueller soundtrack. That's all I know. Yes. I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if a fan makes a video of this, this would be great. They can just take the Red Skull face and then put it on someone else and be like, mm. That'd be funny. Wait, Red's great. like, we don't need a fan to do that. I'm going to do that as soon as we get I'll off this like, podcast. It's okay. He's like, I'm going to do it as soon as we get off this podcast. Well, okay, which song do you want me to use? I got my black, I got my black mesh, I got my American <laughs> flag. So the Cosmic Banana Hammock. Yeah, uh, I don't have the yellow one anymore. Um, oh let's see. God, why so many? I got the, cam- <laughs> the camouflage. Um, to get one with a maple leaf on the front, just for Nova. Ooh. Yes, that's what <laughs> I need in my life. <laughs> I'm just gonna ride on the front, right in the maple leaf, Nova. <laughs> <laughs> and every time he gives it a little thrust, you see the leaf just kind of go. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You see the leaf flutter. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm letting my mind imagine it too, which is just wrong. <laughs> I don't care. You know what's really, oh you know what's really kind of funny though. Talking about Canada real quick here. My wife told me today that uh, she was she was telling her mom and aunt and stuff about um, the prime minister uh, was Justin Thoreau. Is that how you say it? Trudeau. Uh, what is it? Trudeau. Trudeau. They were talking yeah. about him, and my wife was like going off about how amazing he is and how much she loves him and all this crazy stuff that he does. And she's like, "And he's really hot," and blah blah blah. And I'm just like, "All right." So yeah, my my wife wants to move to Canada strictly for that. Jeez. I she guess he's says, okay. She says he's a great guy. She was naming off all these things that he does, and I go, "I'm gonna have to ask Nova and confirm that this stuff really happens and that this isn't just some media spectacle." I think he's fine. I know he like photobombs pictures topless. It's happened a few times, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not even joking. Yeah, what's going on with Rob Ford these days? Uh, he is in a grave, unfortunately. So okay, that's <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. Was that he, he has passed? Was he has the, passed away. Was that the big crazy okay. guy? Yeah, he was the one who uh, there's like the the whole crack whatever. thing. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was him. Uh, his brother wanted to run for uh, mayor of Toronto recently. Is anything- but yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think if if you're seriously when it comes to talking about Canada, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Well, nobody told me that are- the Canadian uh, housing business is booming. Um, oh my God! Prepping they're just, for the Americans to jump ship. They're just getting ready. They are just they're they're putting in the foundations already. I bet that's gonna yep. be pricey, though. I bet cost of living is gonna be pricey. Uh, I don't know. It's you got the high tax here. Yeah. Thirteen percent. Not very cool. Is that is that fair? Free health Makes my. Though? Yeah, I guess so. But it makes like buying a single issue of a comic. <laughs> yeah. Like freaking crazy. I went to pick up two weeks worth of my pull box, which is like three titles a week and it was 30 bucks so i was like, yes it was okay maybe there's like another extra book in there too because you know once the shop draws you in it's hard to it's hard to pull out as it were um 
and and yeah, it was thirty bucks. And I just I, I looked at the bag and I'm like, should I just straight up cancel my policy right now? This is crazy. I could buy I could buy a lot of stuff on InStockTrades.com. Uh, <laughs> Comicology right there. Is this like, so, yeah. So yeah. Uh, okay, so DC's big thing is they say you know two ninety nine uh, DC Rebirth titles two ninety nine. Yeah. What does it equate to in Canadian dollars? Uh, Three sixty. Before tax, and then after tax, it's like, like four bucks. So. Alright, yeah, that's not too yeah, bad. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Ter- Honestly, it's not that bad, especially considering you used to have to pay what, like four, four, like almost five bucks for a three ninety nine issue. So, um, I think DC's gonna start selling a lot better up here. Shipping to Canada, though, that's a whole other story. I was going to show oh, no. you some books. And, uh, good God. Yeah, it's, it's no not joke. too fun. No. Don't worry, though. You will be getting something soon, Nova. Bum, bum, Ooh. Bum. Ooh, I feel my maple leaf flopping around. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you will be getting a special oh, surprise. Jeez, a special surprise. I'm getting, I've gotten a lot this, this evening already, so... Hey. Don't worry, Nova. I got a pack. Oh, oh God. We're going to send you the maple leaf thong after Red's done with it. It'll be okay. <laughs> you won't even wash it. It'll be great. <laughs> They're going to stop it at the border. <laughs> I'll make sure it's in a Ziploc baggie. We're going to write a very big on the box, too, whenever they search through oh, it and stuff. God. Two... Nova, Michael, uh... <laughs> no, let's, not, let's not get the rest of that name out there, but... <laughs> yeah, that'll be... That'll be a day if that ever happens. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, if I win that contest, I'm going to be extra careful opening that package up just to make sure there's no <laughs> bonus content. <laughs> Don't y'all love bonus content? Come on. Oh, my God. Yeah, usually when it's like a like a, an artist's letter or something, but uh, <laughs> I'll sign it. Don't worry. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. He didn't say what he'd sign it with. Oh my god. Compliments of Red Anyway, this podcast just took a turn to the the <laughs> worst. It's just like there's just Canada's under threat at this point. I think it's safe to say by the rest sexual sexual harassment. I think it's time we wrap everything up, guys. We yeah, have got an important call to make right oh now. Oh, my Excellent. God. He's going to be pissed. We are super late. Yes. All right. Well, guys, it's time to give Mike Alred a call. He did something, didn't he? I, I think, I think I yeah, Alred. he uses, like, a pencil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll draw, he like... Was, he was in that movie that one time. That movie. What was that? Yeah. yeah. With, like, that Ben Affleck guy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I think it was. I think it was written by someone named Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Smith, Kevin Smith. Smith. Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kevin. Who is Slim Man on uh, something that rhymes with that? Slim Man. <laughs> Anything. But oh my gosh, yeah, we need to give Mike a call. Talking Robert. Oh, oh, sl- <laughs> Slim Slim Man on X Men. There you, there you go. go. I think he said that once as well. Anyway, yeah, Michael. Mike Allred. That's super exciting. Love his work. Yes, it is. It is. So everybody, let's go give him a call and see what exciting things he's got going on. But before we go, don't forget, also give us a call at six eight two for a comic.
welcome everyone to the part of our podcast where we talk to a very special guest. And today, I'm very honored to say we have a special or special guest. Um, today, we have a comic book artist that, you know, there are certain artists where you look at them, you look at the artwork, and right away you know, faster than the snap of a finger, who the name is. Uh, and today, we've got one of those guys. We've got one of my personal favorite artists. We have Mike Allred with us. Mr. Allred, welcome to the show. Thanks. That was such a nice thing you just said. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you never hear anything nice about your artwork. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> but um, in case there are people who, you know, may not be overly familiar with you, I'm not going to say anything rude to them, but why don't you give us a little rundown as to um, what you've done and, you know, maybe fun facts about yourself as well while you're at it. Starting now and going backwards, I would I, I would say uh, Silver Surfer, doing that with Dan Slot right now. Uh, my wife, Laura, colors pretty much all of my work, so she's my most consistent collaborator and makes everything I do look way better than it really is. Um, uh, just wrapping up Art Ops, uh, my latest uh, co-creation at uh, Vertigo, created that with uh, Sean Simon. Um and uh, Red Rocket 7 was a series I did, which was a, a history of rock and roll told through the eyes of a alien clone. Uh, I created a group of uh, Marvel mutants uh, called Ecstatics. They were debuted in uh, X-Force, which our series was what killed the comics code. That's something I'm particularly proud of. I did that with uh, Peter Milligan. And uh, my, pro- oh, I co-created uh, iZombie, which I guess is my most famous thing because there's a TV show. I co-created that with uh, Chris Roberson. And, but what I'm probably best known for long-term is my uh, creation Madman and the spinoff uh, The Atomics, mm-hmm. which was probably what put through the biggest spotlight on me initially in my career. Yeah, that's right. Um, you're also, I mean, you're you're a man of many talents. I mean, let's be honest here. You're not only an artist, but of course you've written comics like Madman. Um, you've written movies. You know, they may not be blockbuster, like huge spe- spectacles, but I mean, it's still there. And you're a musician, so I mean, you've you've done it all. True Renaissance man. Yeah. Try. <laughs> I, I was always interested in all of those things, and um, I, I just felt compelled to, you know, make my best effort to, so I would know where I where I really wanted to spend all my time. And and so early on, like uh, my band, the Gears, made a couple albums. We've made a couple uh, independent, no budget movies. Worked on a lot of movies with uh, you know established filmmakers like Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith. And so having done all that um, and the, the TV stuff and some animation, I just co-wrote a Ben 10 episode uh, with Steve Siegel, one of the men of action. Anyway, um, it's by doing all these other things that I came to realize that what I love doing the most on a regular basis anyway is making comic books. Uh, it's It's uh, the, so I'm very passionate about pretty much all pop culture, but making comics 
as the most liberating, and I think it uh, it's where you where you're able to be the most experimental and uh, creative individually as well as collaboratively. So it, it seems I, so. I'm very happy to to do everything, but focusing on comics is uh, really important to me. Very cool. Very cool. Now, I want to congratulate you with the Eisner with Silver Surfer and all that, first and foremost. And I I want to ask you, I mean, working on Silver Surfer for, I guess, quite some time now, are you surprised that it led up to this? Or is Silver Surfer something that you've just been, you know, happy with doing it? Because it seems like you've you've been sticking with Silver Surfer now for a long time. And uh, is it something that you thought that, well, I guess, would make it this long? Well, first of all, I, I didn't give that any thought initially. Just when uh, when Tom suggested me to Dan Slot for Surfer, and Dan, at least what they told me was Dan said that it it ruined it for anybody else. He had to had to make sure that that you know I was his partner. And so when Tom came to me, it, to me it really was one of those pinch me moments because. No lie, Silver Surfer is, is one of my most very favorite, lifelong favorite characters. And so it, I was like doing cartwheels and stuff when it was offered <laughs> to me. And then Dan and I just immediately bonded and just, it's just that rush of love that you have for comics as a little kid. That's what generates us with every issue. And, um, at this point, we've built this huge um, game plan. I mean, we do have a we do have an ending in mind, which I think, when it's said and done, will be just an epic, epic love story and and adventure story with all the great sci-fi elements you can put in a cosmic Marvel comic. And fortunately for me, Dan is a little bit slower than I am, which is unusual for a writer to be a little bit slower than, than an artist. But it's, it, it's a blessing because um, we will just skip a month of solicitation here and there. And what has happened is I haven't had to have a, a fill-in guest artist. So this is the longest run of books that I've ever done, um, you know, sequentially. And uh, I'm so proud of it It, and so excited about what it will be when it's all said and done. So it it really has been just pure joy. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, I've noticed now, like you said before, you would uh, put, you had kind of like a, um, I guess it's a nostalgia vibe. You liked uh, culture and stuff. You can see it in some little Easter eggs throughout your art in Surfer. I mean, especially with um, the newest issue, uh, that's come out. You could, it talks about how uh, Surfer uh, rewrote the the history of Fantastic Four and his history with it. And I know that you're doing the art with it and stuff, but like just sitting there and you saying that, it, that was like one of the first things I thought of is the kid looking back and at the old Surfer issues. Um, but going into that, um, it seems that I guess in the most recent series for it, it seems that like 
I guess Silver Surfer is more Earthlocked, like you would think of in Silver Surfer Volume 1. Now, growing up, did you read more of a Silver Surfer Volume 1 or Silver Surfer Volume 2? How did you, uh, what, what kind of surfer did you grow up on? Oh, well, probably my first exposure was uh, the Fantastic Four animated series, which I saw in reruns, but it, you look at it now and it's very crude. But they actually did a version of the Galactus Trilogy, and then my next exposure to it would have been the Marvel Treasury Edition, which also had the Galactus Trilogy in it. And then, uh, and my older brother Lee always bought the comics. I don't know how, but he went out and about, and so I was always in his room digging through his stacks of comics. And um, so that had a huge influence on me. And fortunately for me, he had amazing taste, so I was always surrounded by the best. And then he also bought these trade paperbacks for just these uh, soft cover collections that Marvel was doing in the 70s. I think Fireside was the publisher. Uh, but then again, the Galactus trilogy was collected in there. And so over time, it just became the most important story to me ever. And I always, I've, I've read it over and over and over again. And it's the intro introduction of... Uh, the Silver Surfer and Galactus and and has one of the most heroic moments I've ever seen. Actually, several, because there's Johnny Storm who goes in the far reaches of the universe to retrieve the ultimate nullifier and 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 Surfer, you know, risking himself and uh, you know the sacrifice, uh, uh, turning on Galactus and right. Uh, it's just really powerful stuff. And and then as a kid. Um, well, like my um, my stepsister was married to a Hawaiian, and he taught me how to surf when I was a little kid. And when you go swimming, you you, you either pretend you're Aquaman or Namor, or uh, and if you're serving, you're gonna pretend you're the Silver Surfer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so th that's where my imagination went, and um, you know, it, give a kid a ring, and all of a sudden he's Green Lantern. But Silver Surfer was just this character that I really identified with, this, this, uh, this soulful, soulfulness uh, that he has. And, uh, you know, there's this existential truth-seeking aspect of this character, which I, I identify with. So, and then it's just the coolness of it. I mean, there's, the, there's a dorky aspect of it, where if you think about it too much, there's <laughs> a dude on a surfboard going through outer space. <laughs> but... Um, it's just super cool. And, and um, my Madman character is actually uh, influenced by Silver Surfer. I wanted to have this, um, this what Alex Toad ca called a white silhouette. And um, that is obviously inspired by the Silver Surfer. So it, uh, it, all of these things would, I hope, illustrate how just hugely important this is and how passionate I am about having been able to do this. But to answer your question, for me, everything begins and ends with Jack Kirby. Um, I, I love, you know, I'm a huge fan of John Buscema and Mobius and, you know, and, and pretty much, if it's good, I love it. But, but Jack Kirby really is just a huge figure for me in my life and the energy and and pulse that runs through all of his creations is something that I never get tired of. Very cool. Go 
ahead, Michael. Red Skull Michael. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you lied. My bad. We have two Michaels. Well, I guess three Michaels. Yeah, three. Yeah. Three. three. Yeah. That's all good. So, Mike, I was going to ask you. Now, I know uh, your wife, Laura, she does a lot of the um, uh, coloring for you. And I guess she also does a lot of lettering for you as well, if that's correct. Uh, not anymore, but she used to. Like, starting out, she, she has a better, you know, better handwriting than I do. I, I, on the 20th anniversary, I think I did all the lettering for the that Madman special. Oh, um, that but, monster special. <laughs> but uh, I usually get uh, Todd Klein when I'm working at... Uh, Vertigo, he he has he holds the the record for most Eisner wins, I think. <laughs> At least that's what he told us. But uh, Nate Picos <laughs> is my um, my uh, letterer of choice nowadays. Um, ever since uh, X Force and Ecstatics, and um, so he's, he's just somebody I'm very fond of. Uh, so real lucky as far as letterers go. Well, speaking of uh, ecstatics, one of our listeners, um, Tick, was actually wanting to know uh, what your um, inspiration, I guess, was you and Peter Milligan when you guys did um, ecstatics and how you, basically, how did you guys convince Marvel to make such a drastic change from what X-Force was at that point in time over to ecstatics? Oh, that that was a really crazy combination of circumstances. Uh, Axel Alonso was our editor, and what was happening at the time, if, if you remember historically, Marvel wasn't doing that well, and mm-hmm. Joe Casada was given the editor-in-chief job, and I kind of came into the business around the same time as Joe, and just read a, an interview, an article where he was just talking about how it, it, he just, it was going to be this big party, and so I called him up and said, hey, I want to I wanna come, <laughs> and if there's something you think might be that I might have fun with at Marvel, please let me know. And so uh, right after, with, in less than an hour after uh, talking with them, I got calls from other editors, you know, kind of asked me, would you be interested in this, would you be interested in this? And Axel called, and um, so I was like thinking, thinking things over, and it was just, wonderful day where, you know, I really had, I think up to that point, I, the biggest thing I'd done at Marvel was uh, an Untold Tales of Spider-Man annual where Joe Sinnott inked me, which was super cool, but um, hadn't really done that much work at Marvel. So with Joe, you know, with the controls and then all of these other exciting prospects, it was a really exciting day, you know, tapping into my, my love of Marvel Universe from childhood, but when Axel called, he told me that he that uh, um, he, he had Peter Milligan um, on with the challenge of creating all new Marvel mutants to completely revamp X Force. You know, all new characters. And um, now I'd worked with Peter on the Shade the Changing Man story, and been a huge fan of his ever since uh, Prequave, which he did with uh, Brandon McCarthy, who's one of my favorite artists. And so that right there lit me up, working with Pete. And, uh, and, but what was most exciting about that was the idea of creating all new characters in the Marvel Universe and, um, you know, X-Men. And uh, but then Axel told me one of the biggest challenges is that uh, 
we're gonna you're gonna create all these uh, new characters, but you're gonna kill most of them off in the first issue. And and the challenge being that they have to be superior characters. You can't just you know throw you know here's here's our crummy characters that we're gonna kill off, and then save you know our more favorite characters. And so that was an interesting train of thought. And it, uh, so before the phone conversation was even over, I was doodling out character designs and just wanting, just, um, you know, just opening up the floodgates in my mind so that I'd have, you know, dozens of characters to choose from, knowing that several of them would, their legacy would be existing in only one comic book. And um, it, it, so really, in that phone conversation, I pretty much made up my mind that that was exactly what, it, what I wanted to be doing. And I was finishing up uh, my Madman spin off the Atomics at the time, so I was in this super team mindset and just easily transitioned into uh, X-Force, which then became Ecstatics. So once you finish oh. with Silver Surfer... <laughs> Um, would you ever be interested in going back and doing a story that maybe even similar to Ecstatics, where you get to create all new characters for the Marvel Universe again? Well, I'm actually kind of doing that right now for a, a creator-owned project. Oh, okay, um, very cool. And yeah, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a scoop and give you the title for the very first time anywhere. Oh, oh here we go! Okay. Guys, first. <laughs> it's. It's the League of Super Zeros, a.k.a. Oh. the Zeros. That sounds it. awesome. I'm not going to lie. That sounds definitely yeah. up my alley. And I'm creating that with my older brother, Lee, who I, who I worked on FF with and Batman 66 and my DC solo issue. Um, so he's, he's my most long-term collaborator since we made all comics when we were little kids. That's awesome. Um, who who's that going to be published under? I haven't decided yet. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's I guess it's kind of like who is most who will be most enthusiastic about, uh, <laughs> about picking it up. Right now, we're just yeah. in the in the in the rush of creation. You know, just putting it all together, and uh, so yeah, it's it's something we're very passionate about. But because you know, I, there's still other commitments I have, it'd probably be a late 2017 book at the earliest at this point. We look forward to seeing that one. Yeah, absolutely. It's, some, it, if I may say so myself, it's super, super cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you, I hope you can say that with confidence. Well, we, we, we've already got a couple dozen characters that are, you know, uh, peripheral characters, and then we're already. Some of them are already moving forward to be being our our top four or five, you know, characters that will star in the series. Awesome. Well, let's post uh, some of those pictures up on Twitter for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike, I had a question for you. So, you also go by Doc in the industry. Okay, that was uh, the nickname that Darwin Cook and Jay Stevens gave me. Um, and so it, it stuck in some circles, but it was nothing I originated. <laughs> I was like, he, yeah, yeah I was like, how did that come about? What was the joke behind that? <laughs> well, I, I was signing, uh, now, now my signature always says all red, like, 
uh, you know, all and then below it, red. Yes. Um, for years, yeah. people have mispronounced or misspelled my name, Alfred, Aldredge, all, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, no, no. And it, it's, it, so I will say it's like all black, but all red, and then people get it. Oh, okay, I get it. It's like all red. Right. Yeah. And so splitting it in two was kind of what I settled in. But for a while there, I would sign my name all red MD, which, you know, my last name and then um, my initials. And so it looks like, you know, it's a, a doctor's name. And my dad was a doctor. And so so that was, that kind of is why I played with that. But then with all red MD, then, you know, Darwin started calling me Doc and Jay Stevens and uh, then Jay Bone and then ever this, the circle just kind of rippled out and it started. <laughs> it just followed me forever. That's exactly how it came about. Dark ball. <laughs> about Laura's coloring and, and lettering and then I interrupted about the lettering and so I'm sorry I, I, I didn't let you finish your question. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Well, we um go back to that. I was kind of just curious, you know, it seems like she's done quite a few uh, coloring for you. Is that something that, you know, let's say uh, somebody comes to you say, hey, will you work on this for us? And you say, yes, but Laura's going to be coloring for me. Do you kind of throw that stipulation in there sometimes? At, early on, yeah. Um, at this point, it's, it's, it's assumed. And, okay. Um, but uh, there was one... I did a, a Spider-Man, Iron Man uh, story with Brian Michael Bendis, and it was mm-hmm. on um, the Team Up series where there was already a colorist contracted. Ah. Uh, so sometimes that will happen, or there will be <laughs> something where I'm that Laura and I both would like to see what somebody else's colors would look like. Uh, like I did a, a comic book legal defense cover with Joe Quinones. And after Laura, he may be my favorite colorist. I, I just, every time I see him color his own stuff, and it's just gorgeous. And uh, so I was excited to see him, um, you know, color that. And uh, so I drew it, Joe inked it, and then him and uh, Maris Wicks did the coloring on it. And um, so, so there'll be the rare situation where somebody else will color it, but... Generally, um, it's just the most natural thing in the world to pass my, you know, mm-hmm. ink art off to Laura and, and have her work her magic on it. Now, I was kind of curious, with that, you know, does she kind of stand over your shoulder every now and then say, hey, Mike, can you do it this way so I can color it this way? Or do you just pretty much just hand it off to her and she goes to town with it? She pretty much goes to town with it. Sometimes I'll have some notes. I have a color blindness deficiency. Mm-hmm and have a real hard time telling colors apart. I can see and appreciate colors, but I'll have to learn them at times um, and and relearn them. So if, for instance, I see a car, uh, it may look, it may be purple, but it looks blue to me, or purple and looks blue to me, or mm-hmm. any, anyway. Um, some values of red and green look similar to me. But then as soon as somebody says, oh, no, that's red or that's blue or that's orange, then my brain will click, and then I'll see it as that correct color until it goes away and comes back. <laughs> yeah. Then I have, to, I have to learn again. So I'm just really lucky that I happen to be married to, you know, one of the best colors in the business ever, and uh, you can tell I said that. 
Um, <laughs> I'm <sure> she knows. <laughs> so do you, I was, have like <laughs> color pa- do you have like a color palette? And you say, hey, Laura, I like this color here type of thing. And she kind of like directs it from there. Some, sometimes. Yeah. But we've worked together so long now. And for years, we worked side by side. Mm-hmm. where I would literally just slide the pages off to her and, and then she'd you know, start working on them right next to me. Now we each have our own studio. She, she likes a darker work environment uh, since she's on a Cintiq and doesn't want any glare or anything. I, since I'm working on paper, I prefer more light. And so uh, this year we built her her own studio and... Um, so I kind of I kind of miss the side by side thing, but but in other ways it's it's better. And then we miss each other at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Put a glass window in the studios. <laughs> I was going to say, like one of the first things that pops out to you when you open up like the current Silver Surfer is the coloring with it. There's a lot of bright colors and there's a lot of reds, yellows, blues, and I mean there's always a bunch of little details in the background that are always vibrant and popping with color. And it's something that really sets the uh, comic itself off aside from others. Good. Mission <laughs> yeah. accomplished. Yeah, oh, that's, yes, that's, that's one comment I just wanted to make um, is whenever whenever you I see the name Mike Allred on a book, I know it's going to be super fun. And I know the art is just going to have, you know, you're going to be staring because there's going to be a bunch of stuff going on, yep. uh, especially with Silver Surfer. And you got the cosmic element there. You got to love it. You know, it's like it's like back in the day when Sandman issues were coming out, which I you did one as well. That's right. Um, there's yeah. just always I don't know what it was about art and Sandman, but whenever those two whenever an artist did say man there was always going to be something just gorgeous to look at um and that's that's how i feel whenever i read uh an issue drawn by michael allred because just recently i was rereading wolverine and the x-men and you did that issue with dupe that was awesome that was such a great issue uh just really stands out in the entire run and your art is one of the reasons for that i mean you and dupe is just it's like a it's like meant to be Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, it may sound I, weird, I, but I, no, I, I sincerely appreciate everything you said. I, for me, comic books are fun, and fun can be scary, fun can be dark, fun can be horror. Um, but ultimately, I like to, you know, have a sense of hope in my work, and um, so that's really important to me. I, I'm, you know. Killing the comics code is proof that I'm willing to, to go to, you know, really dark, horrible places. But ultimately, I want there to be a, a joyful spirit in, in what I'm working on so that it does provide a sense of hope and an adventure and an uplifting, um, you know, feel in the end. Even if, it, if, even if it takes a while to get there, that's ultimately my goal to, to have, uh, you know, an attitude of... Life is good and should be celebrated and appreciated, and, and I, I really want that to be my work. So, obviously, your your most well-known char- uh, creator-owned character is a madman. Um, and, you know, you created him back in 1990, but looking at the character and saying, what was your inspiration for creating that type of character? Because really, back then, you didn't have a whole lot of those types of characters, you know, the different... Frankenstein type, you know, uh, patched together characters. I mean, years later in DC, you had Simon Dark, which was kind of similar, things like that. But what inspired you to create this, you know, lasting cult classic character? 
Uh, yeah, that was a very, very specific goal. I, um, I've been doing very esoteric work in, I would have like, I'd create my own anthology title or umbrella title, like graphic music. And that's where, uh, where I regularly, um, showcase my favorite creation at the time, which was Frank Einstein. And, uh, those books are really strange and experimental and odd and um, questionable. And uh, my kids were uh, <laughs> getting into school at that time. So they'd make new friends at school, and we had uh, just moved back to the States from Europe, where I was a TV reporter. And so this was the first time that our kids were coming home with new friends that were like regular friends. They We traveled so much, they didn't really have friends for very long periods of time because we had then moved. Uh, and so, so they're meeting kids at school. These kids are coming home with them. And the teachers started asking about what their dad did and um, would want to see, hey, show and tell and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just became very self-conscious of not doing work that I loved when I was their age. And so while I was, you know, doing all this experimental work, I realized that I wanted to do something that my kids could get excited about the way I got excited about Marvel and DC Comics in my childhood. And so I just kind of made a list of uh, favorite characters and creators and um, to kind of figure out what kind of character I, I wanted to play with on a regular basis. And a superhero character, or a costumed adventurer, I guess, because initially he's not that super-powered. But I ultimately decided to throw a costume on uh, my favorite character at the time, which is Frank Einstein. And, and then, um, because I'm a big fan of Will Eisner's The Spirit, I decided to call him The Spook. And if you look at him in, at his original design, there are like um, suggestions of a skeletal design, like there are strikes suggesting ribs. Um, there's uh, stitching in its mouth, which suggests, uh, and, the, and then the black on its eyes suggesting a skull. And so I, so it was kind of this skeletal costume and um, called him the spook. Now, Kevin Eastman was publishing uh, with Tundra at the time, which was kind of the Apple Records of comics, where his success with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he wanted to kind of give back, and he's bringing in people and being very, very insistent on it, making sure that everybody that published under uh, his Tundra imprint had the ultimate creator rights and the best royalties, and it was a great learning experience, and I was very fortunate to, to have him pick up the spook. But as we got close to uh, publishing, he, uh, they did a trademark search, and somebody had filed an intent to use for the spook. And so I was told I couldn't use it. And there was, there was some concern about some people regarding it as a racial slur, too, but I was intent on, you know, bringing it away from that. And having you know a cool spooky use of the, and not an insulting or derogatory use of it, but that quickly went away when I was told that there was this intent to use file, 
And so I kind of scrambled for another name. And for about a week, it was called The Goon. And even did uh, logos, logos and everything and, and made up some posters. And um, But then I was, I, I was, I think I was flying to Dallas. So I was reading uh, Catcher in the Rye, one of my uh, favorite books. And Holden Caulfield, the protagonist, is constantly using Madman as a, as a slang. Like, I ran like a madman, and uh, she, she sang like a madman, or and it smelled like a madman. This kind of mad, mad, madman just kept popping up at me. And so by the time uh, we landed, I then um, called up and said, how about Madman? And found out we were able to use that, and, and that, so it became Madman. And years later... Uh, Eric Powell is a friend of ours, and I did an intro for uh, one of his Goon collections yes. and relate how Madman was almost a Goon. And even uh, if you look at Volume Five of the Goon, you'll see my Goon logo at the end of my uh, my introduction to the volume. Oh, awesome! Um, so, one last question that I have for you, just because I am such a huge uh, Kevin Smith fanboy as well. Um, and you've done some things with them. You know, you were in Chasing Amy. Uh, you did the art for uh, Kidnapping Kevin Smith, things like that. How did that relationship build? Because, um, I mean, Chasing Amy was, well, I guess it was one of his first few. So I guess, like, you know, kind of how did that, how did you guys meet and how did that kind of relationship build? Um, well, Mallrats, his second film was about to come out. And so he was just, Bursting, you know, he had had that initial success with Clerks, mm-hmm. and Mallrats was the follow-up, and it, you know, with a much bigger budget, Universal Pictures, and we were at San Diego Comic Con, um, just walking up and down the aisles. Nothing like it is now. You could still actually walk up and down the aisles. <laughs> now you just kind of off. crawl. <laughs> but um, I and I I recognize him, you know, because I'm a big fan of indie film and. Um, he and uh, Robert Rodriguez, who had even by then optioned Madman, um, like it was Madman was originally optioned by Universal, and that's where I met Robert Rodriguez. And he then picked up the option and kept the option for, I think, about 14 years. And so Robert and Kevin ran in the same circles. You know, they'd go to the same festivals and whatnot. So I'm very familiar with Kevin. And uh, he and his uh, partner Scott Mosier w- were just coming up and so I was like hey uh, Kevin Smith right and he recognized me for some reason and we just started talking and I you know told him how you know how excited I was about uh, his career and um, and and this opportunity he had with Mallrats and he said well speaking of um, we want to do comic book art for the opening titles and would you would you be willing to do some of it so yes of course absolutely and so I uh, did the uh, Jason London character. That that was who I was tasked with. Jer- Jason or Jeremy? They're twins. Yeah. One's in Days and Confused. One's in Ballrun. But anyway, uh, and then for fun, I threw in Jay and Simon Bob in the same piece. And there's like giant robots and whatnot. And uh, so I guess Kevin really liked how how I drew him and Jay. And uh, so when they started on their, they actually started doing Chasing Amy and Dogma at the same time. They had both scripts at the same time. And I, he gave me 
the scripts for both, and I read them both, and I got super excited about Dogma because I, uh, I, I get really excited about talking about any religion or anybody's belief system, why they believe what they believe and what the origin, origins of their, you know, beliefs are. And, and then, uh, you know, that's fascinating to me how people kind of develop belief systems. And Kevin would, I'll, I'll, you know, go off on being raised Catholic and stuff, which is really interesting. And the, the dynamic, it's almost a love hate relationship. And, um, and uh, being faithful, but also being highly critical of it at the same time. Found that really interesting. So I, I was really hoping Dogma would be next. Uh, and but then of course they wanted to kind of regain some of the independence they lost after Mallrats. Uh, they weren't entirely happy with how Mallrats ended up. And chasing Amy was going to be pure, complete creator control. And so they shot it on Super 16 with a very low budget, and uh, they set up this fake comic book convention. Um, so I was there, Joe Posada was there, Jimmy Palmiotti. Um, but at that point, as they were getting that going, because he did like how I drew them, he asked if I would uh, do the opening titles for Chasing Amy. And which uh, my friend Matt Brundage, who I've been doing art ops with, helped uh, helped us on that, uh, Laura and I. And then um, they asked if I would do all the artwork that Ben Affleck and Jason Lee draw in the film, and which I did. So um, every time you see them drawing something, that's my artwork. And um, and then Jason Lee even wears a madman. And then it worked out with. Uh, with me having the first line in the film, and then when they cut from me, they cut to Ben Affleck reading a Madman comic. Um, so that's really just how it, it, it happened. Just uh, it's in fact some of the best friendships I have started from just running into somebody or something and just striking up a conversation, and that's what happened. And then we went and saw uh, we were on the, the Dogma shoot. I actually got cut out of Dogma. If you see the special features in the church, you'll. You'll see me in that, and and then I created uh, um, Blood Man and Chronic, um, the the superhero version of uh, <laughs> yes. of Kevin. So anyway, that, that that's really just how it started. Just just uh, you know mutual admiration and and uh, enthusiasm, and, and and then it's just fun. It's just fun after that. Very cool. That's Very awesome. Cool. Now, one one question we always ask is, uh, as uh, as a busy man. Um, do you still find time to read comics? And if so, what is it that you keep up with? Oh, man. Um, not anywhere near as much as I'd like. I have giant stacks of comics to get to. Um, a lot of, a lot of, I have a lot of several writers that I really love. Um, but I tend to, the, the books that tend to get to the top of the stack are usually favorite artists. Like, uh, I mentioned Joe Quinones. Uh, Frank Quitely is anytime he does anything, I you know I grab it. Um, probably the most passionate I've ever been about any contemporary creators are the Hernandez brothers. In fact, uh, Love and Rockets may be the single most influential and inspiring title for me outside of the books I loved as a kid, and um, and anything from Dan Klaus or Chester Brown. Um, I like I like a lot of the. Uh, the uh, single vision cartoonists uh, like Charles Burns and you know th- those guys. 
Um, yeah, Brian Michael Bendis is somebody to get excited about. Um, uh, Mark Millar, uh, Mark Wade, uh, Chris Somney, uh, Matt Fraction, of course, who's a great friend and and is completely responsible for this this long run at Marvel that I've had. Um, and then doing Daredevil with Mark Wade, um, uh, Jason Aaron, we uh, just. We're just at the uh, Eisner's with him. I'm thrilled to see him win a couple of awards. Uh, ooh, I'm blanking, but uh, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Rich is somebody who I, I love everything he does. He is, he always pours his heart and soul into everything he does. And Joel Jones, uh, Lady Killer, blast to see Laura calling that. Well, I could go on and on, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a, a lot of people whose work I just really love. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it seems like you're you're just extremely passionate about the industry. So, um, I really yeah. am. It, it can be kind of embarrassing, but yeah, I, <laughs> oh, it's, I, it's it's good I, to hear. I, yeah, I feel it just it makes me feel like a little kid. It, it just that you know, just that in a toy store burst of happiness. That's what comic books do for me. Awesome. So I think I have the final question from us, and actually from a uh, friend of mine that is on the Warlock Thanos podcast. Um, he asked, um, is there a character or title that would be your dream to work on, like that you haven't worked on yet? Is there someone that you haven't touched that you would just love to get your hands on? Uh, there's there's a lot. Uh, one that that I've been trying to uh, get my hands on for several years, uh, thrown a couple proposals in, not formally, but just mentioning to editors and whatnot, is uh, Warlock, Adam Warlock. That, and, uh, I can see I, that. That would be wonderful. I actually I just did a version of him in uh, issue six of Silver Surfer, and you'll know what I mean by version of when you when you see that issue. Very but, cool. Um, so just off the top of my head, uh, that that uh, that that's a character I've always loved. I'd like to do like a, a super retro version of Captain Marvel when he has the the green helmet and the, the fin on the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that that I Gene Collin, um, that that those first few covers that Gene Collin did of Captain Marvel are some of my favorites. Just really dynamic. I also like the the masked. Uh, Do- uh, Dr. Strange, you know, that Gene Collin uh, designed. Um, I'd love to do a Barry Winter Smith inspired Conan series uh, the, with m- the more ornate kind of thing, uh, kind of a l- little less savage and a little more, a little more ornate the way that Barry Smith uh, did it. Man, there's so many. And some of, some of them are actually in the works being proposed right now. So I, I, I'm not comfortable. I, I was comfortable saying Warlock because, I, like I said, I did just do a version of him. But there's a lot that I'm hoping to get my hands on that I may be able to get my hands on, but I'm waiting, kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Marvel and, Marvel and DC. I was going to say, it seems like me and you have a lot of the same taste with cosmic characters. But um, would... You ever, well, I guess like a character like Thanos and stuff. I'm excited to see, since y'all are still doing Silver Surfer, uh, more characters like Thanos, Warlock, and all kinds of things may possibly pop up in uh, all red, or your universe with Surfer. So, I mean, it's something that I'm excited to see, too, if it does happen. 
Well, you'll, I, I, I'm not giving away too much, I don't think. We'll, I just, we'll just call this a promotional tease, but there's a version of Thanos in number six of the second volume of Silver Surfer 2. <laughs> oh, very cool. Ooh. All right. Very, very cool. What else can I? What else can I spoil? <laughs> well, this doesn't come out for a couple of weeks, so we. <laughs> well, issue issue six of uh, so this is our second the second volume Dan and I've done. We did uh, fifteen, and then we're on uh, um, working on issue seven of this second volume of ours. Um, but issue six is the. Uh, a cumulative 200th issue of Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it, they gave us a few extra pages to play and stuff. And, and, uh, there's a, there's a, I, I think we, we, uh, we marked the occasion very enthusiastically. Seems very cool. I'm excited to read it, man. All right. Well, then I guess we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the podcast and taking the time to talk to us. Yes, Thanks thank you very me. much. It's been a pleasure. Don't stop working, I, I please. Don't stop drawing, please. We need more fun artists. Well, I, I, I can't not do it, so <laughs> there you go. Bifrost is closing on another episode, but thanks for joining us. Four Guys in a Comic wants to hear your opinions. Yes, you! Tell us your thoughts on the DC Rebirth, the new Marvel, or even the Invincible Ending. Pick up your phone and call us at 682-4-A-COMIC. That's 682-422-6642. Ask your parents' permission before casting any magical runes, and you can be a part of the show. Now get out there and get those comics, Ash. Gotta catch them all.